0: And we come before you after a long week, and uh, Lord, we come to your presence with all the hurts that we have uh, due to our own sin or the sin of others, and we need forgiveness and we need healing and we need restoration, and Lord, we come to your word and to your table to receive that from you this morning. Encounter us in the word read and preached, we pray, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's good to be back with everyone after a two-week hiatus, and I am looking forward to, uh, to being back with you this week, and uh, it's been great. Uh, this past week uh, at dinner, Ash and I were talking with another couple about children and schooling, and so the question came up. Where should we send our kids? You know, we're thinking through that a little bit, discussing that in a general way. Public, Christian, classical, homeschool. You know, this is a significant question. Where do we send our children? How do we want them to be educated? But it is only one of many questions, both minor and significant, that we encounter on a daily basis. We face decisions daily. Should I go to college? That's a huge one. And if so, where? Should I get married? And if so, To whom? And maybe when? Is this the right person to hire? Do I get the guac? That's a real question. That's a real decision that everyone faces when they enter a Mexican restaurant. I hope you know that. Please. You need discernment to know whether or not to get the guac. We face daily decisions. And this summer we have been going through the book of Acts, and right from the beginning of the book, we saw God's kingdom breaking out into this world through the resurrection of Jesus. Right? By his resurrection, Jesus has broken, has broken the bonds that have been held around the earth and the world and humanity by sin, evil, and death. He has broken this stranglehold upon the world. God's new creation is here. The resurrection has opened the doors for this new creation. And now with Jesus' ascension and the outpouring of his spirit upon the church, God's new creation kingdom is moving forward from Jerusalem as an epicenter out to the ends of the earth. It is moving forward all the way until Christ's return in glory to make all things new, to set all things to rights. In the meantime, Jesus has commissioned us as his church to be about the work of mission to proclaim the good news about him, that he is alive from the dead and that he is a loving and gracious king who rules over all the earth. We are about this mission in the meantime. And this mission that Jesus gives us involves all of our lives, every aspect of them, our friendships, our educations, our jobs, our homes, our marriages, our finances, our children, the ways we live the decisions we make in these domains and in these relationships are to bear witness to the good news about Jesus. And yes, even the decision to get guac is to bear witness. Maybe I don't know how that works out, but I'm, I'm, in, I'm up for entertaining the idea uh, that that bears witness to Jesus. The book of Acts then portrays for us what life looks like in God's kingdom as the church on earth and contested territory. It betrays for us what life looks like submitted to King Jesus, now awaiting and longing and praying for his return. And so we have to ask that question. How do we determine, how do we make decisions in this in-between time? Before God, before Jesus is fully here and has made all things new, how do we make decisions that proclaim the good news about Jesus and all these various aspects of life. And here it is. This is how we do it. This is the main point. We make decisions by pursuing wisdom and remaining open to the prophetic. We make decisions by pursuing wisdom and remaining open to the prophetic. We pursue wisdom. So throughout scripture but especially in the Old Testament in books like proverbs and job and ecclesiastes we learn that wisdom is the primary way that god guides his people and so when we pursue wisdom in god's good creation we are very often if not all the time if we're really pursuing true wisdom we are pursuing the will of god we are finding the will of god and this is exactly what we see play out in Acts 16 verses 1 through 5 we see paul making wise decisions not in a flashy way, not in an uber-spiritual way, just making some decisions. Two really significant decisions in particular. First, who am I going to take with me on this trip? Right? If, you, if you look at, the, at Acts chapter 15, there was really there's this split up between Paul and Barnabas over this very decision. Who are we going to take with us? Well, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, and Paul's like, I'm not doing that again. He left us the first time. You know, if we're going to be facing imprisonment, if we're going to be facing shipwreck, if we're going to be facing hunger, if we're going to be facing, you know, persecution, all these different things, if we're going to be facing trials, I want someone in my corner who I can trust, who I can depend. And for Paul, John Marks leaving them in the middle of the trip the last time has nixed it for him. He's like, I don't want that. So Timothy came. A good report came about Timothy. And Paul makes that decision. I want to take Timothy. That's a significant decision, but nothing is... Luke doesn't give us anything that this is something that he deliberated in a long period of time, searching God's will in prayer for months and weeks to hear that one specific supernatural leading of God to choose Timothy. Paul makes a wise choice. Timothy has a good reputation. He's not one to waver, so we're going to take Timothy. But then that second decision, that second wise choice that Paul makes is whether or not Timothy should be circumcised. Now, this is a huge decision because recently, right, towards the beginning of Acts 15, there's been this massive council of the church in Jerusalem, and they've just decided that Gentiles do not need to be circumcised to be a part of God's people, the church. Gentiles do not need to be circumcised. But Paul sees that it is wise, a wise decision to circumcise Timothy. So in both these decisions, we see Paul exercising wisdom, making a wise choice. There's no Luke doesn't describe any kind of great deliberative process that involves supernatural means or supernatural revelation. Just Paul saying, Timothy, you've got a good report. I need a man like you. If you're gonna be with me, we need to circumcise you, to minister to the Jews along the way. Two huge decisions. Nothing uber spiritual or flashy here. Paul simply determines the wisest choice. But this is where we need to pay attention and not overlook this. Determining the wise choice is an act of listening to the voice of God. Determining the wise choice is an act of listening to the voice of God. Because wisdom is the very voice of God. Did we not hear wisdom cry out in our reading from Proverbs? Wisdom, Lady Wisdom Wisdom personified as a woman cries out to us. In Proverbs chapter 8, we hear Lady Wisdom, she's speaking again. And here she's recounting her creation before the heavens and the earth were made. She is saying that God formed me, brought me to He possessed me. And then she goes on to recount that by me as a craftsman, God made the heavens and the earth. By wisdom, God fashioned the seas, determined its limits. God made the heaven, the earth, and the seas by wisdom. And then in verse 32, we hear wisdom say, And now, O sons, listen to me. Listen, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors, For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Wisdom is the voice of God. So when you find it, when you find wisdom, you have found God's will in his good creation. To live by wisdom is to live in line with, with God's intentions in this world. If God made wisdom, if God made the world by wisdom, then there is a wisdom that is God's voice in this world that we can tap into and know and find and live by, and that is fully within the will of God. That is God's will. Most decisions in life are to be made by wisdom. So discover the wise choice. Discover the wise choice and you have very often found the will of God in that particular situation or in that particular relationship. Discover the wise choice, and you have very often found the will of God. Now, I know this is difficult for some of us because it evokes, I think for some, fear rooted in our insecurities. Because discerning the wise choice places the responsibility on us. And if we, if we have a fear that, that comes out of our insecurities, we don't want that kind of responsibility. We would much rather have God, you know, open up the heavens and say directly to us, do X, Y, and Z. You know, Benjamin Ashley, send Matthias to whatever school. Or yes, please do get the guac here at Don Tequila's, but not over here. You know, we want that kind of direct revelation in many ways because we're afraid of making those big decisions on our own, or under our own wisdom, we want God to take that responsibility, make those decisions for us. And so there is a bit of fear that may, that may push back here. So sometimes our insecurities prevent us from pursuing wisdom. But listen, God doesn't want us to be the type of children who have to receive a direct word from him before we make every decision. He doesn't want us to be the type of children who have to have a direct word from him before we make every decision. Rather, God wants us to be the kind of people who are shaped by his spirit and immersed in the divine drama of redemption and new creation that finds at its center Jesus, crucified, raised from the dead, and ascended as king. He wants us to be people shaped by the scriptures, shaped by Jesus, He wants us to submit to his spirit and to Jesus' rule, so that our disordered desires are reordered to Christ. We need to submit to God's spirit and submit to Jesus' rule so that our misordered desires, our twisted desires, are remade and reordered to Christ. And we do this by having our minds renewed by God's spirit and God's word. God wants to be the type of person who can make decisions in new and ever-changing situations that align with his own desires. Right? When our will and desire are reordered to Christ, we desire what God desires. And so we can love God and do what we want in this world, exercising wisdom. Because that will, those desires are in line with God's very own. You see, God is a loving father. And he has made us and set us free, set us free to live and work in his good creation within the boundaries he reveals in his incarnate Son Jesus and in Holy Scripture. Within these boundaries, God wants us to use our reordered desires and along with God-given creativity to make decisions for his glory and for the good of our neighbors and for the good of our coworkers and for the good of our families. Just imagine for a moment, whether you have children or not, just imagine for a moment being a parent. Wouldn't it just break your heart if your children playing in your yard thought they had to come to you to ask permission to do everything they did? play with this toy, play with this ball, run, walk, do this thing or that thing. Wouldn't it break your heart if they felt so insecure they had to come to you to play in your yard? Wouldn't that break your heart that they felt so paralyzed? Rather, you want your children to play freely within the boundaries you set, right? Within your fence, within your property, within your desired outcomes. You know, don't beat your brother with the bat kind of a thing. You you can use the bat freely, play with it, but don't beat your brother. Don't you want your children? We all want children to play freely within our God-given boundaries, within our boundaries, And so God, likewise, as our loving Father desires that we go out within the boundaries of his bountiful, wonderful creation, though fallen, though marred, still good, still wonderful. He wants us to go out within this world as he has revealed it, these boundaries as he has revealed it, and do what we want to do for his glory. Remember now, our wants have to align with his. Our disordered desires have to be reordered to Christ. As his children... God has given us a remarkable amount of freedom to live and make decisions within the bounds of his kingdom. Within the bounds that he has revealed in scripture. For some of us it sounds frightening to live with such freedom because we imagine that God's will in every situation is a bullseye. Only one specific way this can all work out according to God's will. Only one right decision in every single situation. That is God's will. And that's paralyzing, it's fearful to to have that kind of view because we never know which one, if we haven't received that direct word, we don't know if the decision is the right one. We're frightened also because we've been wounded by an impossible to please parent or spouse or friend. That can affect the way we view God's freedom that he gives us in his world to make decisions according to wisdom for his glory and for our good. And for others of us, this just doesn't sound right because it doesn't sound spiritual. It doesn't sound spiritual. It sounds rather all too worldly or all too ordinary. And here it is helpful to remember that spiritual in Scripture means of the Spirit of God, of God's Spirit. Spiritual does not imply an opposition between the physical and the spiritual or the physical and the immaterial. It does not imply an opposition between ordinary and, between the ordinary and the supernatural. So listen to Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewal of your mind. And in Philippians 2, 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus. Wisdom is spiritual because it requires us to submit to the Spirit's work to transform our minds our minds, conforming them to the very mind of Christ, taking our disordered and twisted desires and reordering them to Christ. That's a spiritual work. That means our minds are spiritual, renewed by the Spirit, reordered to Christ. We make decisions using God's wisdom. Those are spiritual decisions, and those are spiritual means as we listen to God's voice in his world. But then how do we submit to the Spirit? How do we submit to the Spirit? We submit to the Spirit by four things here. We soak in Scripture. Soak our lives in God's revealed will in Holy Scripture. We consume it, right? Because we want to know what God's wisdom is. He's clearly revealed it in Scripture, So we want to know what that is, so we soak ourselves in Scripture, and then we immerse ourselves in the life of the church. Because in the life of the church, we hear over and over again this vast cosmic story of redemption that we read about in Scripture, that God is at work in the world through Jesus to redeem it, to make it new, and that He has called us to participate in that work of making all things new. And so we need to soak ourselves in Scripture in order to submit to the Spirit, and we need to immerse ourselves in the life of the church Sunday to Sunday to hear the gospel, year after year, in the feast and in the fast, submitting ourselves to the Spirit's work to transform our minds. And thirdly, we need to saturate our lives with prayer. Saturate our lives with prayer. We need to speak and commune with God in public and in private, in worship and at home. And then finally, we need to listen and respond to the cries of Pain in this fallen world, whether it's our neighbors or those of the poor. This might sound a little different from the other three, but why did I say that? Because of Matthew 25. So Matthew 25, Jesus tells us that it is with the poor that we encounter him without realizing it. It is with the poor that we encounter him without realizing it. So if we're going to know something of the wisdom of God, we want to rub up against Jesus as often as possible. We want to do it in his word, read and preach. We want to rub up against Jesus around the table. We want to find Jesus in the poor. That means for us, if our homes doesn't bring us in contact with the poor or the suffering, if our jobs don't bring us in contact with the poor or the suffering, we need to seek out those points of contact where we can serve and be proximate to those who are suffering in this world. One, because that's what Jesus did. And two, Jesus said, you'll find me there. So how do we submit to the Spirit? We soak ourselves in Scripture, We immerse ourselves in the life of the church we saturate ourselves in prayer and we listen and respond to the cries of pain coming from those suffering neighbors and those poor within our city if we want to reorder our desires to christ we need to encounter him often here in the word read and preached at the table in the bread broken and the wine poured out and in the cries of the suffering poor people led by god's wisdom will be bible people They'll be praying people. They will be sacramental people. And they will be people who listen and respond with compassion to the suffering of our world and our neighbors. Such people live by spiritual wisdom. Making decisions within the gracious and loving boundaries of God's kingdom. So how do we make these decisions in God's kingdom? We pursue wisdom, what we've been talking about. But we also remain open to the prophetic Listen, or you can turn there if you'd like, but listen to Acts 16, verses 6 through 10 again. Luke recounts, and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now we see decisions being made by something other than wisdom. Previously, verses 1 through 5, Paul's just making decisions. Do you want to take Timothy with us? Timothy, we're going to circumcise you. Now they've made decisions to go into Asia, and everywhere they go, God, by his spirit, is saying no. Closing the door. For two weeks at least, they traveled 200 miles, having the door shut in their face. Not here. Not here. Not here. And then all of a sudden, Paul receives a spirit-empowered vision. Macedonian man calling out, crying out, come help us. We see here not just wisdom at work, but also now the Spirit of God directly intervening. Divine guidance to make decisions then involves wisdom and at times God's special intervention. At times you will be surprised by God. He will show up, he will wreck your plans, your wise plans even, and he will put you on a different path. How many people have a story like that where God just breaking in and changing things up? That's true in my life. I'm sure it's been true in yours. Sometimes we don't even know it's God at work. (laughs) We just think something horrible happened to us, but God is at work. Kind of saying, no, 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 you're not doing this, you're not going there. In all this, we must pursue wisdom. Wisdom and remain open to the prophetic. Remain open to God's spirit breaking into our lives and saying this or that, or do this or go here. Therefore, we must remain open to God. If we're to remain open to the prophetic, we have to be open to God. We have to open ourselves up to God, and that requires training to hear and see God's, the marks of his presence on our world. So where do we begin? Well, I think we begin by asking God in prayer, give us eyes to see and ears to hear you at work in this world. If you're going to break in in a special way into our world, help us to perceive it. Help us to know it. I'm going to to pursue every decision by wisdom, but if there is something you want me to do beyond that, break in, give me eyes to see it. I want to be at work in line with your work. So we ask God for that help. And when his voice comes, and it may come in the form of a soft nudge, or a tug, or a calm assurance. It may also come through spirit-guided dreams or visions, as we see here in this passage. It does come in that way. I hope you know that. Or we may experience not just a soft nudge, but a powerful urge. Or an unyielding sense of direction or calling on our lives. Some of us may experience that. It's not as if this happens all the time. If you're familiar with Mother Teresa's story and her biography, early on in her life, she receives this unmistakable vision from God to be about the work she gave her entire life to, and she never heard an intervening word again for 50 years. So it's not talking about this is something that God does all the time. Some people may have God intervening and directing their lives in supernatural ways more often than others, and sometimes you might be like Mother Teresa, You might not hear that direct word of God for a long stretch. And I'll tell you now, just like her, you need the spiritual depth to endure it. So when the voice comes and it will, we need to be able to see and hear, and so we need to ask God to give us the eyes and the ears that we need to perceive his work in our lives. And of course, not every nudge or dream or sense of direction is from God. It might be from that guac you unwisely chose the night before. Not every nudge or dream or sense of direction or calling is from God. And this is why we pursue wisdom, so that we can grow up. We don't want to be just little children anymore. We want to grow up and be mature. We want to learn the difference between the voice of God and our own twisted desires, our own disordered desires. Remember earlier I said God wants you to love him and do what you want by wisdom. But the thing we have to be careful with is that our desires, what we want to do, is in line with God's. So this is why we soak ourselves in Scripture, so that we can grow up and be mature and hear and understand the voice of God in our world. When he breaks in, when he breaks in unexpected and surprising supernatural ways into our lives. We soak ourselves in Scripture, because Scripture is the standard by which any nudge or dream or vision is judged. And tested, But this is why we also immerse ourselves in the church. Look with me at verse 10 in chapter 16. And when Paul had seen the vision, right, Paul, just the one person, doesn't seem that anyone else saw it, immediately we, we sought, collective, the plural, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding. So there's been a deliberation, there's been a judging, there's been a testing, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul had this vision from God personally himself he had this vision from God but yet he turned it over to the community to be tested and judged whether this was indeed God speaking so we need to immerse ourselves in scripture to have the standard the measuring stick by which we judge anything that we think is God speaking to us directly but then we also we also immerse ourselves in the life of the church We need a group of people to come alongside of us. And when we do hear something that we think is God speaking to us, we need other people who are wise and mature to come alongside of us and help us discern. Is this really what God is saying? Yes. So we leave immediately and we go and we preach the gospel to them. When God speaks directly to us today, we must discern his voice within the church testing it according to the standard of his revealed word and his incarnate son. God still directly guides his people today. I hope you hear that. Don't hear the first part and think, I don't believe that. God still directly guides his people today. Closing doors here and opening doors there. This is what he's doing in our passage. A nudge, a desire. He does it through wisdom. He does it through discernment. He does it through spiritual reason. God does speak today. He does offer guidance. If you want to tap into it, pursue wisdom and remain open to the prophetic. Remain open to God surprising you in unexpected ways through his spirit and through his people. So we must learn to identify God's voice. Learning to scan our lives and God's world for the marks of his presence, his guidance and his work. You know what, the Bible is full of folks doing that. The Bible is full of stories of God speaking and guiding his people, not only through wisdom, but also through his intervention in their lives. You know what, and there are plenty of stories right here at Christ Church where God has shown up in people and has directed, helped you make decisions, not only through wisdom, but also through supernatural means. I know there are stories. I've heard some of them. I know there are probably much more than I know about. God is at work to direct his people, primarily through wisdom, but also at times by intervening and making things crystal clear. Christ Church, we ought to expect the miraculous work of God's spirit in our midst today. We ought to expect, we ought to pray for it. Therefore, let us pray with a more expectant faith. Let us be more sensitive to the Spirit's guidance throughout the day, and let us discern together the voice of God by pursuing wisdom and remaining open to the prophetic, remaining open to God's Spirit's work in our lives. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.